Welcome to the Patient Flow Podcast, powered by Teletracking. On today's episode, we meet Kathy Menefee, Managing Director of Advisory Services for Teletracking. The stress that caregivers face today is real. The science behind it is called cognitive load, and Kathy Menefee just happens to be an expert on the topic. Let's listen in and get to know Kathy before we dig in. I've been in clinical and executive leadership roles for hospitals and health systems for a number of years before I came to teletracking. I've worked in operational and support roles. I've led rural hospitals and tertiary care centers, kind of everything in between and even community settings. Some of my other experiences around acquisition of patient care technology, which is one of the reasons I ended up at teletracking, working with patient experience, quality, patient safety, education. So a myriad of both direct administrative areas and then also support areas in healthcare as well. Kathy, you are perfectly suited to share your thoughts on our topic today, which is cognitive load and how that impacts caregivers. Anyone who has watched the news over the last few years is very aware of the strain that our healthcare workers are facing. Can you tell us about the challenges caregivers are facing and the competing stimuli they face on a daily basis? Sure, I'll be happy to. I came upon a saying uh, that the management guru, Peter Drucker, said. He said, the hospital is altogether the most complex human organization ever devised. And when I read that, I thought, you know, if any of us have spent time in a hospital, whether it's a team member or maybe a visitor uh, or a patient, you'll likely agree with his quote. We also know that safe effective and efficient healthcare has always been complex and it's always been challenging to deliver for caregivers and health systems. And of course, most recently in the times that we're in now with the pandemic. Many folks say, well, why is it so complex? To your point, Susan, I think you have to think about all of the competing priorities, increased patient family expectations, add to that multiple documentation and communication systems, caregiver safety concerns, alerts, notifications, calls, and alarms, all of these things coming into our caregivers to deal with and constantly requiring shifting and realigning their priorities. Our cognitive load increases the more that we have to change focus and reprioritize and shift those priorities around. And frankly, we as humans only have so much capacity for all of this information and stimuli, and this is called cognitive shifting when that exercise has to happen to sort of regroup and realign what you're doing. When we look at today too as well, our current state, we know that there are lower numbers of caregivers, which results in a higher workload, and therefore an even higher level of information overload that just can't be processed and absorbed all the time. This high cognitive load causes errors, burnout in our team, and even negative impacts on the patient, healthcare team, and organization. Technology can't never, nor should it never, replace our caregivers. However, it can help with cognitive load. So there are three different components to cognitive load, intrinsic, extraneous, and germane. Can you tell us a bit more about each and the impact they have on caregivers? Of course. We'll start, of course, with intrinsic load. And that is the load that is associated with performing external essential aspects of a task, for example. Uh, And this one is the most low level 
type of load. And it's like sharing reports, you know, doing a shift to shift handoff from one nurse to another. So it's pretty basic and it's all around performing essential aspects of a particular task. When you move on to extraneous load, that's associated with non-essential aspects of the task. And these are things like having to search for information on a computer or having to find a whiteboard uh, to look at who's assigned to a particular patient for today. Anything that requires work, we would say we shouldn't have to do is extraneous load. And then last but certainly not least, your main load is associated with the deliberate use of cognitive strategies that result in learning. So perhaps you're trying to increase your understanding of a particular diagnosis or a particular treatment aspect, or you're adapting a process as a result of integrating it with previous learning. And one of my favorite examples for this is being able to work, for example, with uh, another colleague that's more experienced than you in a particular use of a piece of equipment, for example, that you may be newer to. So you're taking some of this information you've already learned in the past, but you're also applying that to the new learning in order that you can operate this piece of equipment safely and effectively. What kind of resources are available to caregivers and how do you establish a workload balance? Bottom line is we have to find ways, we have to find creative ways to reduce this cognitive load. Again, now more than ever to help our caregivers focus on providing safe, effective patient care. One path that we have found successful to achieving this goal is by reducing that load through the use of visualization of real-time information, i.e. visual management. Visual management ideally displays the current situation in real time. And generally that is obviously the most important because you're not looking at information that has occurred in the past that may be outdated or outtimed now. So you're looking at the real situation right now in real time. It also communicates status, information, needs, problems, and opportunities that are focused around the care of those patients, the workload of that unit, and on, even on a larger scale, the activity in the hospital and even within a, in a health system with multiple hospitals. I think one of the neatest things about this concept of visual management is it creates a shared view for the team, which supports alignment of effort and resources. And then last but not least is ease of access to this information drives focused action. And so if you have to only look uh, at a large screen to see where your patient is in the hospital, or if they're even in their room or they're perhaps down in MRI, and you can do that at a glance, then you can make your plan together to support that patient or maybe wait till they get back from MRI before you need to contact them about something. So I love the sort of the little path that says with visual management as a team, we can all see together what's going on. We all know together at the same time what's going on. Therefore, we can all act together. So we see information as a team. We know the situation as well as what needs to be done as a team. And then we can truly work in a team environment to assess and address the situation. And we need that teamwork now, Susan, more than we ever have in the past. You've been talking about the people at the unit level and the team atmosphere that needs to be cultivated. How can hospital leadership help facilitate this type of culture change? Yes, I think a, a couple of things here. 
uh, and I want to share some uh, research findings with you. It's uh, it's very interesting. There were surveys that were done years ago, long prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, that found that 90% of U.S. emergency departments found themselves stressed beyond the breaking point, at least some of the time. Another one that's very interesting is in September of 2020, uh, a little while ago now, preliminary data showed that almost 600,000 workers left their jobs in healthcare. And at that time, remember September 2020, that was a quit rate that was the highest since data was first collected 20 years ago. So then we think about your question. So what else can be done in addition to visual management and how can leadership support that? There's a myriad of other ways, and I'll just list a couple here for you to think about. Number one, I think leadership has to recognize the signs of cognitive overload in their caregivers. Uh, and they can get this by walking around and rounding. They can get this by talking and listening to their caregivers. They can get it by looking at data around even injuries to caregivers, and certainly retention rates can be important. So anytime leadership can lead an effort sanction uh, a work team to help streamline processes, because it's not all about technology. The people process technology. So processes can really be more efficient, more effective, cutting out redundant steps uh, or extra steps. Another one is creating escalation paths. So Susan, if you and I are working on a particular unit, and I am just totally overloaded with eight patients, and you know, you've got eight patients as well, where do we go next, right? How do we have somebody help us find somebody that can take part of our, our care burden off of us, even if it's just for a few minutes, uh, or even perform a function for us that a patient may need to have done? So how do you escalate when things are just at the point it's too much to bear? You just can't, can't do it. Uh, and the last one that I will, uh, will mention is reducing interruptions. And we talked earlier about everybody having phones, everybody having Vosteras, everybody having notifications coming across all of the time. Are there team members from other departments that could help support, particularly those care units, your medical surgical units, your critical care units? One of the models I've seen since I've been out and about during COVID is physical therapy assistants being cross-trained to act as nursing assistants and unit clerks, unit secretaries on inpatient units. Uh, and particularly that was happening when not a lot of patients were coming in for outpatient therapy, for example. Those are just three to think about, but it's not all about technology. There's a lot that we can do outside of technology to help as well. Building on that, can you tell us how the importance of having communication protocols and standardized processes in place, in addition to the technology, can help caregivers reduce the cognitive load they're experiencing? You know, we've talked about direct care a lot so far today, but in addition to direct care, in addition to treatment activities, having processes in place, cadences, scripts in place, and visibility is also really helpful for communication processes and various checkpoints that we hold in hospitals every day. Things like interdisciplinary rounds having that visibility into what has been talked about, what has been planned in those interdisciplinary rounds, again, in real time, in a place that everyone can see, is extremely helpful to that team approach to care. Having your capacity management meetings, your bed huddles, you may call them, uh, looking again at whole house views of what's happening in the hospital first, 
where the admissions are going, which admissions are waiting, where the discharges are trying to match up, you know, and solve that constant patient flow puzzle. Again, having visibility into that is extremely helpful. And then just your morning huddles. Uh, I have a lot of clients that use teletracking in their morning safety meetings because they can pick up on a lot of safety issues as they're just looking through the boards and looking through the information in the system. So really, the other big benefit of using this visual management process is the entire hospital's team can have visibility to the information at a glance. So if I am the CNO in a particular hospital uh, and I want to look and see how my units are doing and, and where my discharges are and figuring out even staffing that may be needed to be moved about to meet patients' needs, I can do that in my office. I can go on a unit and do it. I can go to numerous places and see that information in a very short time, allowing me to take action and, again, continue to contribute to reducing the load, especially the cognitive load and have safe, effective patient care. There's also, Susan, a number of ways looking at having benefits to this visualization. Safety needs, for example, if a patient is at risk for falls, you could easily see that anybody could, even an environmental services worker could see that and know that before they go into the patient room in case they may need to react to that patient getting out of bed and needing some help so that they don't fall. You can track patients towards discharge. You know, who do we anticipate is going to be discharged today? And not only that, but also looking at the needs, the tasks that must be completed prior to that patient's departure. So having the whole team know these things, see these things using visual management really helps smooth the workload. Again, supports that team approach to care, which we really need, and then increases overall patient flow so that you're having beds open more times, hopefully than not, for patients coming into you and for transfers. And then the last thing I'll say about this, this whole concept is when you integrate mobile functionality with the visualization, caregivers have access to the information regardless of where they may be. And additionally, the use of automated and parallel processes for services such as uh, automatic transport dispatch when a patient is being discharged, uh, automatic EVS dispatch to clean the room once the patient has departed reduces those phone calls. It reduces redundant work, notifications, alerts, and obviously contributes to reducing cognitive load and saving precious caregiver time. This is the Patient Flow Podcast powered by Teletracking, your source for insightful conversations by industry leaders making a difference in patient flow today.